Welcome to the Spanish Arpada. My name is Sarah. And I am Peter. And we are ranking and reviewing all of the rulers of Spain from Leovigild to Felipe VI. And this week we are reviewing King Chindeswith. Yes. And uh, there's no way I'm going to spell this correctly. I'm going with C-H-I-N, but I'm also willing to go with C-I-N. I Uh, I have seen it spelled both ways. Right. C-H-I-N-D-E. S, okay, there's no W. You've told me there's no W, so I'm going to go with U. Correct. I, is it I-N-T-H or I-T-H? It is, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. I-N-T-H. Oh, my God, this might be the first time I got it right. So Um, I am spelling it C-H-I-N-D-A-S-U-I-N-T-H. Ah, okay. Chindaswith. All right. Yes. A hell of a lot closer than I usually do. Yes. Ben from Battle Royale has called him King Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. So of course he has. Yes. Yep. So so there we go. <laughs> we have three sources for today. Okay. Is Isidore is is long in the past. Right. We, we still have the Chronicle of Fredegar, but this is okay. not the same Fredegar that wrote the original Chronicle. Okay. Is this? <laughs> All right, well, it's this I, I sort mentioned... of like the James Bond theory where they're all different agents. They just are given the same name when they get the title, when they get the job. What? Well, I mentioned the last episode that Fredegar was roughly contemporaneous with Tolga. He completed his manuscript right. in about 642, which was when Tolga was getting his new haircut. Right, right. right. Uh, but there are manuscripts of Fredegar that go much further than that, well into the 8th mm-hmm. century, up to the Carolingian monarchs in France. Right, okay. So properly speaking, this part of Fredegar is called Fredegar Continuatus. Basically, <laughs> okay. basically, it means that someone else took up the chronicle and appended their new writings to the end of a manuscript of Fredegar's original work. Sure, sure. Right. Um, so Fredegar is, is almost, in point of fact, a title. At it this is. Point. If you're, it if, is a if you're writing this book, you're Fredegar. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. We know even less about whoever wrote the Continuatus than we do about Fredegar himself, and we know almost nothing about Fredegar. So. Okay. Yeah, just keep that in mind when we're well, assessing accuracy know, here. On a certain sense, that makes research harder and easier because mm-hmm. uh, yep. you can just shrug and say, mm, "Yeah, anyway." Ah, right. Uh, the two new sources. First, we have the proceedings of the Seventh Council of Toledo. Mm-hmm. This was held in the year 646, so it was eight years after the sixth. Well, they're really cranking these out a lot faster. They are cranking uh, them out, yep. Uh, and then we have a pair of wonderful epitaphs written by a contemporary bishop <laughs> upon Chindeswin's death. Oh, oh, good. Now, are these are these proper epitaphs or are these... Uh, i.e. are they are they odes delivered upon the death or are yes. these you know just stuff you carve on the gravestone because no as are... a research source something on a gravestone is of minimal yeah uh, no this narrative is ode that was composed in correct latin meter ah all right one was written for chindeswinth and one was written for his wife resaburga and they are okay great so oh okay we are going to talk about them Excellent poetry. Yes. (laughs) All right. So the biography, like I mentioned Mm. in the last episode, Chindeswinth is old as heck. Yes. Yes. I have really been envisioning sort of a, a sinister, oh, you know, Count Olaf from a series of unfortunate events figure. uh, That's not really wrong. Well, given that his first task was to, 
depose, and boy, am I putting that in quotation marks, a child. So I'm really worried overall about the the overall, shall we say, moral character of this individual. Well, Um, it's not great. We're going to get to that. All right. Okay. So Chindaswinth fought under Leovigild back when Leovigild united the country. Oh my God, he's old. He's so old. Oh, he's so old. Historians think that Chindaswinth was born in the 560s and it's 642 now in our story. So I've I've updated my operating software three times since we talked about Leovigild. It's a (laughs) long time ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. Chindaswinth is about 80 years old when he takes the throne from poor Tender Why does Tolga. he get the job? He was, I think you, I think you'll know the answer by the time we get to the end all of right, this. All right. All right. But because he's so old, this means that by the time he became king, he was already married to a woman, as I said, named Ressa Berga. And he had Only two sons. Once? <laughs> you know, that's that's interesting you say that because Ressa Berga did not live super long. They were only married for seven years. Oh, okay. and there's no record of him marrying anyone else. Mm. Now, Mm. I I assume he must have, but there were no children. All the children that we have are from his marriage from Ressa Berga. Okay. So there are two sons. One of them is named Ressa Swinth, which is like peak twilight because Ressa from Ressa Berga and Swinth from Chindis. Right. Oh, oh, (laughs) man. Oh. And then there was another son named Theodafred. And uh, he may have had another son named Favila and a daughter named Glaswinta. So I I must admit, it's kind of hard to follow Chindiswinth's family tree because about 200 years after Chindiswinth ruled at the beginnings of the Christian reconquest of the Iberian Peninsula, the author Mm. of the Chronicle of Alfonso III thought it was a good idea to try to link the Northern Christian kings to the Visigothic line genealogically. This was an attempt to instill legitimacy and a sense of historical purpose to the new northern kingdoms. Oh, but this is this is like trying to, you know, trace the lineage of back to well, basically of the. uh, Yeah, I was going to say uh, basically once you get to the third generation of Kennedys, you throw up your hands and say, screw it. Most of them are dead anyway. Okay, for example, the first official king in Asturias is a guy named Pelayo. And it is said that he is a son of this favila and therefore a grandson to Chindaswinth. And if that's Uh, true, that means that Chindaswinth is the first ruler of Spain that is genealogically related to the current king of Spain, Felipe VI. Oh, well, all right. That's that's something. However, there is no actual physical proof that this is true in any way. Uh, that would have simplified things. It All would right. have, but so Chindaswith has a complicated family and we're going to be untangling the, the half truths and for a little bit. Can't right? we just trace the hemophilia? I mean, wouldn't that just be the easiest <laughs> way of, okay. That would be All right. Okay. All right. So anyway, in the year 642, Chindaswith takes the throne from Tolga and sends the poor kid to a monastery. Yes, he does. And, and- again, I'm still thinking that there's got to be a lot of quotation marks around that, but okay. (laughs) Okay, so Chindaswinth's first order of business is to consolidate his power. And this has been a recurring theme of the past few monarchs, right? Both Sissimand and Chintila immediately convened the bishops and nobles to get together in the church of St. Leocadia to say the exact same dire warnings that they did at the last council. Yes. 
an attempt to strengthen their hold on power. Right. From here on in, usurpation's not cool anymore. No, seriously, I mean it this time. Yeah. Well, okay. Chin Swint is cut from a different cloth. Though. Oh, is he? He's cut from a more Leo Vigildian cloth. To be oh, violence. <laughs> so he pulls up the list of people who had conspired against earlier kings, and then he puts them all to death. Whoa. All right. All yep. right. In 643, uh, he puts forth an edict against treason that states that anybody from the time of Chintila onward who had gone to a foreign power to raise an army against the Goths would be put to death. Just right. straight up murderate them. Right. Right. He also okay. stated that anybody who rose up against the king from within the country would also be put to death. But that edict was only retrospective to the beginning of Chindaswint's reign. <sighs> Because if it was any earlier, then it would also be chin to swim. (laughs) The ability of these people to use mirrors and to not burst into flame of hypocrisy is just awe-inspiring. Please, yes. yes. As a matter of fact, Chindeswinth made the nobility of, of Spain swear an oath that they would never ever pardon traitors or the refu- or, or the refugees that I mentioned in the last episodes, people who had gone okay. abroad and gotten help from I, foreign powers. I'm just going to point out that didn't he himself have to swear an oath? Because we've established that when a new king becomes king, you have to swear an oath you do. of obedience. Yes, you do. So... Talk about not worth the paper it isn't printed on. Go ahead. Yeah, but there is a lot of death. Fredegar states that 200 members of the high nobility and 500 Mm. lesser nobles were put to death during Chindaswint's reign. Wow, that's a lot of funerals. Um, As as a matter of fact, he actually says that Chindaswint devastated the Goths, which is similar to how he described Gundamar's campaign against the Basques. Right, right. Oh, well... Uh, devastated the Goths. Yes, he uh, I'm devastated. Gonna to, I'm going to return own to the people. joke and say, normally you have to close down the hot topic to make that happen. It's been All a while right. since we had a good Goth. I was going to say, I think, yeah. Well, we're 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 coming to the end of the Goths at some we point. Are. We are. We got to get these jokes anymore. in now. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Many Gothic nobles simply just fled the country. They went to Septimania. Yeah. Yes. They went to Septimania, which was still a part of Spain, but far enough away that they felt safe, or they went to the Basque country. Right. Okay. And and of course, nothing bad could ever happen to you in the Basque country. No, nothing at all. Uh, <laughs> Probably because of all the murdering, Chindeswinth doesn't <laughs> feel pressured to call a council of Toledo to, to affirm his anti-treason law right away. Yeah, it's 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 putting a hat on a hat. You really don't have to do the second thing. Right. He knows that the councils are all just BS anyway, and they don't have of any course. political force. Right, exactly. It's basically sort of like a national political convention in America. We've already decided we've already what's chosen, going to happen. Yeah. Why are we doing this? Yeah, so he's, he's like, it, it doesn't really matter. But eventually right. he has to bow to the political process and he calls the seven. Right, I mean, the, the clergy is still the clergy. So, yes. okay. So this is in the year seven, uh, 646. Okay. Attendance wasn't great. No, Mostly, the guy with the record of killing everybody who disagreed with him didn't get the big crowd. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, it was mostly because the bishops were all scared of Chindeswith. Yeah, they were. I'm, I'm only mostly joking, but Chindeswith was dead set on taking power back from the nobility and the church. He appointed Ooh. bishops personally. He revised laws so that clergy members would face monetary sanctions for committing crimes. Oh. And he put limits on the church's ability to offer sanctuary to criminals. 
Mm. Yeah. Mm. So he only got about 40 odd bishops to attend the seventh council and only about Mm -hmm. 30 of them Mm -hmm. were brave enough to attend in person. Right, right. Remember, <laughs> remember what happened to Swintila when Swintila wasn't popular with the noble nobility yeah. or the clergy. I'm just pointing that out. Genius. I don't think Swintila was murdery enough to to no, withstand not <laughs> not being in the clergy's pocket. Right. Anyway, surprising no one, the bishops at the council readily signed off on the anti-treason law. Sure, exactly. Yep, this is great. <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised they didn't just have their signatures pre-written. Just. Here, put it, stick it onto something. It's post it. Go ahead. The other order of business that they did at the Seventh Council of Toledo was they appointed Eugenius II as Bishop of Toledo. Okay. So that's really all, all that right. happened. Oh, all right. Yeah. So a little bit of staffing issues. A little bit of staffing that. issues, a little bit of, of death laws. Avoiding murder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. All right. So Chindaswin then turns to what he hopes will be his crowning achievement. Oh, no. No, it's good. He wants to revise the law code of Spain. Okay. All right. Not worried yet. Go ahead. No, you, it's it's nothing to worry about, really. Oh, yeah. the last you said the, that before. And I have I've said that burnt. before. I'm just saying. Now, the last update to the overall code of laws in Spain happened in the time of Leovigild, and that was a oh, pretty God. isolated All right. update. All right. Yeah. For the most part, the Gothic nobility were under the laws set down by Uric in the 470s. Back when oh. the capital of the Visigothic kingdom was in Toulouse. Right. We are we are behind the times. Yeah. Um, and okay. The rest of the population was governed by the Breviary of Alaric, which was a collection of Roman law compiled in 506. I was going to say, yeah. Okay. So, you know what? Maybe, maybe it's time we, you know, blow the dust off the tomes and uh, mm-hmm. get cracking. Okay. Yeah, it's been a hot minute. And actually, yeah. there's indications that what Chindaswinth wanted to do was create one law code for everybody. Ah, well, yeah. you know, I, I've noticed that, that there's there's starting to be that trend of, look, we're, we're going to do this from sea to shining sea. We want to mm-hmm. sort of one religion, one oath, one, you know, there's a unification process going on. Here. Yes. Um, so, all right. So well, Chindaswint's first goal is to codify any current laws that do not appear in Leovigild's code. So okay. all right. he's writing Fair. down the laws that he knows that they live under, but they're not officially in the code. And right. he writes down 99 of them, and they are preserved in the final code that we have to this day under the title Flavius Chindaswinthus Rex. Ooh. Okay. Yep, still going for that Roman thing. Well, you know, if you want something to sound properly legal or medical, you go with Latin, maybe a little bit of Greek if you're doing a flourish. But yeah, I think that's a smart move. Good, yes. good call. So his second goal then is to look through the code of Leovigild and find any laws there that he wants to amend and include in the new code. Okay. All right. Now the final code only retains one of these that was specifically edited by Chindaswinth. Okay. We're not sure whether this was all that he had time to get to or just all that survives. Well, the clock is ticking. The dude's 80. Yes. So the dude's 80 in 646. So, yeah, we, we do have that one law that is preceded by the word antique, meaning oh, ancient. Okay, yes. Right? Ancient. And, sure. and that Chindaswinth himself edited to bring up to date. Right. So, right. are we referring to the law? Or are we referring to the lawmaker? <laughs> yes. All right. Then in the year 648, Chindaswinth gets a letter from Braulio, the Bishop of Saragossa. Okay. The topic of this letter is kind of interestingly hilarious. 
Oh, good. Despite the fact that Braulio himself had signed his name to the proceedings of the Fourth Council of Toledo, which included that Canon 75 that expressly prohibits an inherited succession to the throne. Yes. Braulio wants to know if Chindaswinth would be willing to name his son Ressaswinth as co-ruler. Oh, you suck up. Oh, <laughs> that's so... Oh, well, it's been it's been a hot minute since we've had a weasel. Um, this is good. All right. Now, All there right, are two, two patently obvious facts had prompted the writing of this letter. OK. Number one, Spain had been quiet for over six years now. And that right. was kind of Every, nice. Everyone liked the quiet. Everyone likes quiet. That's good. Yeah. I mean, sure. It had been accomplished due to a healthy dose of great violence. I was going to say it's quiet in the same way that a morgue is quiet. But, but you know, stability is stability. Yes, that's that's true. And uh, number two, Chindiswinth was now about 85 years <coughs> old. He oh, is just my. impossibly old for the times. <laughs> right. He could right. honestly go any minute. Yes, I was going to say. And, and, and then as what an happens? American, as an American in 2022, we know what that's like. Yeah. <laughs> There's a little bit of tension going on here. Okay. Yes. All right. So, yeah, you might be wondering whether Chindaswinth leaned on Braulio any to write this letter. Okay, sure. There is no evidence that he did. Hmm. Honestly, well, it seems that we're like... talking about a gothic king. It's entirely possible that he hated his son. <laughs> you know, there, there is a bit of a tradition of you've always been a disappointment to me. So, OK. Yeah. Braulio was actually well known for going against previous edicts when it suited him. Mm -hmm. And he even advised other bishops to do the same. OK. So All right. It, it gotcha. seems like this was in earnest him wanting to suck up to the king yes okay that that sounds i was gonna say so my first instinct was your right first call. instinct was correct i would like to point out how old is the son at this uh he's like in his 50s yeah okay it's so uh, better. I, I'm not optimistic i'm not optimistic i mean it's better than 85 it's better uh, than 85 but yeah, so Chindiswinth thought it was a great idea. So in the year 649, Ressaswinth was crowned co-king. Oh, no. Okay. After this, Chindiswinth seems to have just taken it easy. Oh, I'd, I'd like to rescind that. Oh, because I'm not surprised at all. Dude's 86. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, he did. I'm shocked he wasn't doing it. 30 years sooner. This is insane. <laughs> there is some evidence that he spent the last years of his life trying to atone for all of the everything. Good luck with that. Well, when he gave gifts to the church by bumping off a kid. I'm yeah. sorry, deposing. Yes. Uh, no take backs on the uh, on the karma, <laughs> sir. <laughs> well, uh, he mandated that a monastery be constructed at San Roman de Hornija, which is in Valladolid. Okay. And All he right. and his wife were buried there in the year 653, which is when he finally died a natural death at age 90. Oh, natural death. Yeah, and surprising. Again, another natural death. I, yeah. You hate to see it, um, <laughs> which is a thing I'd never thought I'd say. But, what, did you want okay. to pull the part by horses like Brunhilde? You know, Brunhilde went out like a boss. She and... did go out like a boss. And I have to say that, although natural death at ninety, it's an accomplishment. You gotta, you gotta, you know, give him credit. Clearly, the guy ate greens and did a lot of cardio. 
Let's um, hope so, because yeah, otherwise he's to... a witch. Yeah, no, exactly. Okay. All, right. All right. Well, you want to rate him? I Yes, I do. All right. <laughs> Our first category is conquistadores. How much land did he conquer? How good was he at battle? Now, there are definitely yeah. indications that warring went on during Chindaswint's reign. For yes. example, there survives a tombstone of a man named Opila who died in battle against the Basques in the year 642. Okay, sure. In addition, Braulio writes explicitly in his letter that he wanted Ressaswinth to be named co-ruler so that Ressaswinth could take up wartime duties because Chindaswinth okay. was too old. Gotcha. However, we don't have any details on any sustained campaigns. Hmm. Yeah, and I mean, the pattern that I've noticed is that everybody goes up against the Basques at yes. some point. It's kind of like spring training, just when you... <laughs> forgotten the previous season it's like oh is it time all right all right let's, well, let's, get, let's our, get, on know, get our chops back okay but i mean yeah there's not a lot unfortunately there's not a lot under leova guild we, i think you said he fought under leova guild he did fight did, under leova guild know? that's a good point yeah. so he took he was at those battles against the byzantines right. and the basques and exactly the like. and i mean Fought under Leova Guild is very much studied the dark arts under Voldemort. I mean, <laughs> you learned something. He clearly um, learned something. That's a good point. Yeah. I didn't think about that. I'm, I'm going to up my score. I yeah. was going to give him just uh, a one. Yeah, no, I'm thinking I'm thinking a two. But I'm I think a give two him a now. two because, yeah, there's there's clearly something there. And if nothing else, he, he did learn that the judicious application of violence is the best way to solve a political problem. He just was a little bit more focused. Uh, he was. He didn't just murder era. everybody. Right, right. Which, honestly, on the whole, if I have to choose between a leader who starts an unnecessary war and a leader who assassinates a bunch of nobility, I'm going to go with number two. Yeah, uh, agreed. So, all right, all right. So I'll give him a two. And I'll give him a two as well. So that is a four right. for Conquistadores. Right. Okay. Our next category is No Me Digas. We talk about the gossip. A lot of dead bodies. Yep. But the epitaphs. Oh, oh, goody. They were written by Bishop Eugenius of Toledo, the guy that okay. Chindeswinth appointed himself at the Seventh Council of Toledo. Right, right, right. They were both so there's going to be a certain amount of, I'm, I'm guessing, uh, reciprocity here. Well, they oh, were no. Both of these were written at about the same time, the one for Chindeswinth and the one for Reseburga, mm -hmm. in about 650. They mm. are both written as if they were from Chindeswinth's point of view. Okay. Uh, one is for Chindeswinth himself and one is for his wife. The mm -hmm. Reseburga one is pretty standard, right? Okay. So here's a portion of it. Quote, mm. hence I, a wife, unable to overcome fate, commit you with these rights to the care of the saints so that when devouring flames come to consume the earth, you may arise a worthy member of their company. Yeah. Mm. So it's, it's just pretty standard. Like I hope you yeah, go to I was going to say that's, that's early medieval hallmark card stuff. Yes, I mean, pretty that's, standard that's pretty stuff. straightforward. Yeah. Okay. All the right. final line of Ressaburga's epitaph is pretty interesting though. It's, it mm. goes like this quote, the pact of our marriage endured almost seven years. She was then twice 11 years old, plus eight months. <laughs> that 
sounds like a middle-aged man trying to cover up the age of his new wife. Well, so it's Um, unclear to me whether then refers to the beginning uh, or the end of the marriage, right? right, She was then twice 11 years old. So was she 22 when they got married or at the end of the marriage? At the end of the marriage, yeah. Yeah. Um, It means that Chindaswinth and Resaburga got married either when she was 15 or 22. Uh, well, at the time, neither age would be scandalous. No. Um, the but, interesting part is how but, they were married for only seven years before she died. That means she right. must have been dead a really long time by the time Chindaswinth died. Long time. And um, she was buried in the same monastery as Chindaswinth. So where the heck was her body all those years? And given how old he was when he died, what did they have to transfer at that point? I know. Um, yeah. So oh, so that's wow. interesting. interesting is is a kind of I mean, horrifying is a kind of interesting. Um, <laughs> all right. OK, so that's Resseberg's right. epitaph. All right. Chindaswinth's epitaph is less kind oh is this a at last he's dead and i don't need anything from him anymore and i can tell the world what i really think well it's interesting we don't know exactly when eugenius wrote this Mm -hmm. probably 650 but Swint actually died in 652 so it's possible he was still alive when it was written (laughs) Ooh, ooh, okay here's a choice quote Mm. quote I am Chindaswinth, ever the friend of mischief, perpetrator of <laughs> crimes, Chindaswinth am I, impious, <laughs> obscene, scandalous, shameful, wicked, never willing the best, always up to the worst. Whatever depraved desire can do, injury seeking, that I have done and have been even worse. There was no crime I did not wish to commit. In vice, I was always the best and the first. Oh my God, it's the epitaph of Loki. I mean, <laughs> good God. That's he wrote amazing. this for the guy who appointed him possibly yeah. when he was still alive. Wow. That is prepping your obituary right there. I love it. I really do. Honestly, if I were Chindaswinth and I read that, I would. My ultimate reaction, obviously, I'd have him executed, but I would also have that published. I'd be proud. Um, yeah, that's that's yeah. No, there's a lot to be proud of there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, wow, that's it says something probably about my character that I liked Chindaswinth a lot better at the end of hearing that. Um, <laughs> it indicates okay. a kind of personality that we don't necessarily see at this point in the middle no. ages, just because there's right. not a lot of documentation. Right. And go- going back a few, we're looking at people who Sisyba sort of comes to mind. Right. Would I rather have the uber pious Catholic or would I rather have basically the Joker. And I I mean, from a narrative perspective, also worth pointing out that, as you said, Spain had been quiet. Yeah. uh, Well, there's a reason for that. So, well, and, and I'm just, I, I, oh, wow. That's, I'm, I'm confronting a certain degree of moral inadequacy in myself right now. Um, But I like this. Whatever depraved desire can do that I have done and have been even worse. That's a lot to live up to. Even worse. Yeah, it really is. No, really. Marquis de Sade 
somewhere in the great be- great forward. Yeah, is not the odds. Standing and just giving the slow clap that starts the applause from Caligula and Nero <laughs> and Ceausescu and all the others. Yes. <laughs> wow. Okay. All right. Good. So, what do you want to give them for all those dead bodies and that awesome um, epitaph? I wow. I mean, the epitaph is just so remarkable, and it mm-hmm. speaks to it speaks to just a wonderful man. I mean, when you start off again, I go back to he started off by deposing a child. I'm really quite quite delighted by that. I'm really glad that you read that because yeah. I'm going to go. I'm tempted to go at a seven. I was uh, thinking a six or a seven. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm yeah, going to yeah, go yeah, seven yeah. as well. Okay, no. Just, yeah, well, I'm well so done. glad I found this. It was in a yeah. collection of medieval texts called Medieval oh. Iberia. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's I can't great. wait to review this guy. Well done, sir. Okay. All right. So our next category is orthodoxia. <laughs> Oh, and it's uh, not going to be a strong point. No, it's not. <laughs> so Chindeswith was clearly not one for religion. With the no. exception of the end of his life, he makes no donations to the church, and he mm-hmm. actually rarely refers to God at all when proclaiming edicts, which was kind of de rigueur at the time. Right. You know, right. Recared and Sisabut loved to invoke God in their political pronouncements, but Chindeswith was just clearly less pious. Mm, indeed. Um, as <laughs> I was going to say, and, and for good cause. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Talk about uh, really what's the point? Yeah. You're rearranging dex chairs on the Titanic. I'm going to hell. Um, <laughs> he, is, he knew he was going straight there, but absolutely. he did have that monastery built. He had the monastery built and he 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 did call a council. Mind you, he called it. He called basically, that council. He called, a, he called a council in the same way that Dr. Evil calls a meeting of all of his underlings. Yeah, there he was called that council a, to get people to sign off on his murder laws. Right. There is. There is a button under his desk that has the trap door that opens up under any of the bishops who do not immediately sign. Clues. Any of the 40 bishops that were brave enough to show right. up, because that's exactly. all he got. And and if Eugenius's epitaph is any indication of the view of the church, yeah, I'm not saying zero because he built a monastery, but I'm saying one because he only built a monastery. I'm also just going to give him one for the monastery. Yep, that's so. it. That's it. Yeah, but he's not getting any more than that because no, no. He, he knew exactly where his afterlife oh, yes. was going to be. This was, yeah, this he was, didn't bother. Yeah. He didn't bother trying for anything else. Exactly. There's a reason why he made a point of living as long as he did. It's like, well, this is as good as it gets. Got to uh. stretch it. <laughs> Our last category is El Resto, where we look mm. at the rest of the things that make up a king's rule, whether that's coinage oh. or mm-hmm. uh, paintings or edicts or anything like that. Mm-hmm. We don't have a statue. There's no statue. Ugh. Very we, inconsistent about who gets a statue and who they doesn't. They are. Um, but we do have an illumination. Mm. Oh, so, okay. So I'm going to share that. This illumination comes from the same text that gave us the one of Recared at the Council right. of Toledo, the third. Right. So the Chindus one where he's sitting on, on the- a non Again with the fingers. Yeah, Chindeswith is on can't the they far do fingers? left. They can't do fingers. Nobody can do fingers. Those fingers, are, those aren't fingers. Those are pasta noodles. They this are. is insane. So you um, can see on the far left, they do spell Chindeswith without the H. It's C-I-N. Yes. So, yes, I see that. I uh, see but, that. But what, what, what else strikes you about this picture? 
Well, I mean, we can start with the fact that he has a cat nose and mouth. He does. Um, I mean, a cartoon cat mouth. I mean, yes. that, is, that is a cartoon cat mouth. Yeah, actually, he's there's kind of a Garfield uh, mm-hmm. overall look to the face. The eyes are disproportionately huge, mm-hmm. although that seems to be sort of the motif of everyone else here. Uh, I'm going to assume that's meant to be the crown on his head. Yeah, it's um, the same fancy hat that Recorred had. So Right. Right. It's not it's not good. It, it's it not looks good. like no. Um I love how he's holding a scroll which is meant to indicate the law code, I suppose, but it right. kind of looks like he's holding like a ho ho on its end. Yes, thank you. That's exactly what it looks like. It's a He's ho-ho. got a Swiss roll in his hand. He's got a basically. Swiss roll in his hand. That is mm-hmm. exactly what it looks like. Nice coloring on the on the robes. Nice green nice and, and red. Yes. I like that. Okay. Yes. Uh it, it, I believe those are cutes. Um, but yeah, no, that's and it doesn't say freakishly very much long about fingers him. on his freakishly right hand. Freakishly long fingers. And what's interesting is the feet, albeit they are shod, are perfectly proportional. They've got they the are. feet. Why is it that you can do feet, but not hands? Well, maybe it's because they don't have to do the toes. I guess so. Wow. In that case, <laughs> put them in mittens or something. Cause that's, yeah, no, that's, yeah. that's genuinely horrifying. Those are, yeah. those are ET fingers they and, are. and yeah, no bad. Yeah. Um, so, so there's the elimination it's from okay. about the year 881 and it's, okay. it's from the same text as, uh, as record. And as you can see, there are two more Kings here, which we are both going yes. to talk about. Later. Right. I will. I will studiously ignore them. So All right. Let's spoiled. take a look at the painting in the Prado. Okay. Oh, oh, it's a good one. It is good. Oh, He's it is appropriately a good one. old. Yes, he is appropriately old. Nice uh, beard. He, nice he, crown. He exudes the warmth of uh, Emperor Palpatine. He does. Um, that is that is a really good evil old man. It's a wrinkly um, old face. He looks he looks cruel. I mean, he definitely looks genuinely cruel. He's got a nice um, staff that he's holding. He's got a terrific staff. Uh, it's the, as, the, it's the, as the, tall as him. Right. The detail of the hand clutching the robe, as in, and remember, that's the red robe that indicates, and he's clutching it as if to say, mine. Mine. Um it's, I stole it's this the, fair and square. From right, exactly. And nobody's getting it. Yeah, there's there's kind of a Saruman. Yes, that's what I that's what I would say. I mean, it, it looks like what if Saruman decided to become Saruman the Red? That's really what he looks like. It, it's, a, it's a magnificent beard. And I also um, like the simplicity of the background. It's just a yes. like a plain sheet. It's got like a right. little chair kind of thing with a with a pillow on it for him to sit yes it's, it's definitely it. it's what very an old sparse. man would insist on because back in my day mm-hmm. all we needed was a place to sit and order people to have their uh limbs torn off yes um uh love the the crown is almost an afterthought there's no there's no splendor right. to it he came there to yeah. do a job he doesn't need a fancy crown Right, exactly. He's not going to enjoy this, and boy, neither are you. Yeah, very, very pleased uh, with this one. Full marks. We also have a coin, and... Oh, God. Yeah, it's about as good as all the other uh, coins. All right, well, well, here's the thing. I will say that because on the left, Mm -hmm. the face is missing an eye, and it looks like the winky 
emoji. Well, it does. It, now, it is idea, there. It's kind of been rubbed. rubbed yeah, exactly. But, but it looks like the coin is winking. Yes. And given the truly sinister nature <laughs> of his reign, I'm I'm very much I'm I'm pleased with this. This is yeah. this is indication. Um, whoever did the letters, it was clearly bad. They got their job by nepotism. That is oh, a yeah. terrible job. No, we've letter. seen much better. Right. That is that is Comic Sans level uh, gibberish. They're very fat. Um, yeah. Yes, they're no very precision fat. whatsoever. This is this is terrible. It's a bad um, coin. Again, yep, no, we're getting close to the Arab conquest. We will have much okay. better coins soon. Good, good. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. Anyway, okay. that is all the physical okay. culture I have. Apart from that, he mm-hmm. ruled from 642 to 653, which was 11 okay. years. And he did seven which, of those as soldiers. Given days. his age is a genuinely Amazing. impressive stretch. Yes. Right. He definitely had two kids, which okay. is Ressa Swinth and Theodafred. Okay. He possibly had four kids. Mm. A later Council of Toledo refers to Ressa Swinth's brothers in mm-hmm. plural. So there had okay. to be more than just Theodofred, but we're just not Theodofred. sure. Okay. All yeah. right. And he died a natural death, which again, in those times, dying a natural death at 90 was- At 90 is, is really impressive. Yeah. Right. So what do we want to give him for the rest of... Uh, now, he didn't complete the law code, so I don't have this in this section. Right. Russell Swift is going to complete it, so he'll get the right. credit for that. But he did right. start it. Yes, he did start it. And, mm-hmm. I mean, the painting is really good. It's so good. Uh, the, uh, you know, the, the illumination is, is appropriately terrible, um, as is the coin. Yes. Um, and he doesn't have a... But... But man, that painting really, whoever painted that painting understood him. Understood him. Um, yes. I will, I will, I will give him a six. I'm, I'm, I'm also gonna give him a six. Yeah. I think yes. that the possibility that he's related to Felipe the sixth is pretty it is impressive. very exciting. The fact yes. that he ruled for eleven years, starting when he was 80 years old, is impressive. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I agree with you. That painting is amazing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, for starting the law code. For starting, he's, he's you know. got to get something. Absolutely. Right. So that's twelve total for El Resto. So that means it's mm. thirty-two total mm. of thirty-two points. Not great, not terrible. Yeah, he's mm. in the upper, you know, you know, but not as good mm. as Leo Vigil, not a good, mm-hmm. not as good as Sisibut, but not mm-hmm. as bad as. Uh, no, we've had some bad ones. Right, we have. <laughs> The but previous now, one was just so heartbreaking. Oh, it was bad. Oh, Tolga. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Well, now we have one final question. Fuero mm. or fuera? Do we let him sign the charter or do we tell him to get out? I think we let him sign the charter. Well, I I'm really a little do. scared to tell him to get out. To exactly. Be quite honest. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm I'm legitimately more frightened by this guy than I am of anybody since Leova Gilt. Yeah. And more to the point, we are talking about somebody who began his reign very decisively, clearly unafraid of hell, and proceeded to do exactly what he set out to do with long-term consequences, and seems to have essentially had an unbroken string of either success or, shall we say, projects begun but left unfinished because what the hell man i'm 85 yeah um now the only reason that i i 
hesitate on Fuero. Okay. Is because, I mean, this could be an argument for as well. Mm -hmm. He didn't really do things within the political structure of the day, right? Right. He waited seven or so years to call that Council of Toledo. So it's not like he was pulling out the documents and signing them. Mm -hmm. He was just cutting people's heads off, which, which, as I said, could be an argument for Fuero. But if we're thinking who's going to pick up that pen and sign Yoel Rey, he's not going to bother because he knows that it is pointless. Right. I would say, though, that the reason why he waited that long was to ensure that when he called the council, there would be there's a very uh, famous New Yorker cartoon written in about drawn in about 1939. Mm-hmm. And it is a picture of, of of a Nazi rally. And it's it's this huge full page cartoon of Hitler on the on, on on a dais that is rendered tiny just by the scope of everything. So you know, basically think you know, think the Nuremberg rally, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And Hitler is saying to the screaming crowd, and I think I may say without fear of opposition, and I think that I had to wait seven years so that he could stand up in front of the council uh-huh. and have it go exactly as he wanted it to go. That's fair. Um, and and yeah, no, I, I think this is definitely a case of Fuero. All right, um, I will agree yes. with you. Yeah. I am willing to give him Fuero. So mm-hmm. congratulations, Chindeswin. done. You join Sisabut and Leovigild mm-hmm. in our Hall of Honors for those I'm who sure signed Yoel Ray. Him, I'm sure it will bring him great comfort in the burning lake in which he currently resides. I'm sure him and Leo Vigild are going to hang out and gossip about Sisabut. Oh, yes. There oh, yes. In Pius. Oh, yes. Right. Yep. So let us know what you think. Do you agree with giving Chindeswint the Fuero? Uh, let us know. Mm. We have uh, Twitter and Facebook, uh, which is Spanish Arpada, both of them. Mm-hmm. We also have an email address, SpanishArpada at gmail.com. And you can contact us on any of those things. Mm-hmm. We love mm-hmm. to hear from you. All right. So it's time for recommendations. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go first this time. Please I am do. going to recommend an author. Oh. And you may have actually read some works by this author, Peter. I don't mm-hmm. know. Have you heard of Mark Kurlansky? <sighs> Refresh my memory. So Mark Kurlansky, well, he's a, a fascinating guy. He's done mm-hmm. like a million different things. Halfway through his career, he decided to get into journalism and okay. became a writer after not being a writer, you know, for the first 40 years of his life. Right. And he has written a lot of, I think they're technically called micro histories, where you take the history of one thing and use mm-hmm. it to trace the greater history of, of a people or a time period mm. or et cetera. Okay. So he has written a book called Cod, the Fish. Mm. It is a history of cod and cod, cod. fishing. Mm-hmm. And uh, it has a lot to do with uh, Basque people, actually, because cod fishing oh. is, is one of their large industries. He mm. also wrote, uh, oh, I think it's called A Brief History of the Basques or something along those lines, which was mm-hmm. my first Kurlansky book. Uh, and okay. that's a good one. Uh, he has also written a book about bugs. And about mm. uh, insects and how there are fewer insects nowadays than there used to be. Uh, I don't mm. know if anyone has noticed this, but when we were kids, Peter, when we would drive places, mm. there would be tons of bugs on the windshield. And now that just doesn't happen anymore. 
Right. I, I have noticed the the dearth of fireflies compared to what used to be the case. Um, yes. So, yes. Okay. Yeah. So he's written one of these histories on bugs and he has a couple others and he's they're all very good. You know, he's he's a very expressive and detailed mm. writer. And it's 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 interesting to really get into the nitty gritty of like one tiny little thing like a fish, like one mm-hmm. type of fish. And as you learn about the history of this fish, you see how it interconnects to all sorts of European and world history and all sorts of mm. events that you didn't think had anything to do with cod, for example. Mm. And mm-hmm. it's, it's, he's just an amazing writer. So that is my recommendation. Okay. The works of Mark Kurlansky, that is K-U-R-L-A-N-S-K-Y. Nice. I'm going to Amazon right now. Yes. Um, all right. Um, well, at the risk of giving myself a reputation, I'm going to recommend uh, another cocktail. Um, it is it is it is the start of spring break for me. So I am I am, you know, sort of indulging in that aspect of my predilections. Uh, this one has a, uh, a rather terrible or at least intimidating name. It is called the Corpse Reviver. Oh, dear. Uh, and in fact, it is the Corpse Reviver number two. There are two different cocktails called Corpse Reviver. The Corpse Reviver number one is sort of a sweet drink made with Calvados and uh, I believe Quantra. Anyway, that's not the one I'm recommending. Uh, I am recommending the Corpse Reviver number two. The Corpse Reviver number two is equal parts gin, preferably a dry gin, Lilith Blanc, lemon juice, fresh squeezed, and Cointreau. Other people have said you could make it with triple sec. I don't do that because I am not an animal. Cointreau, thank you very much. And it is, again, simplicity itself. Put them into a shaker with ice, shake until frosty. But before you pour it out into a coupe glass, what you must do is to pour a little bit of absinthe into okay. the coupe glass and rinse the glass with the absinthe. Okay. Uh, and it is a it is a bright, citrusy, herbaceous drink. Uh, the profile is a little more sour than sweet, but not but not by by much. And it is a wonderful before dinner drink. I, I really recommend it wholeheartedly. Nice. So I like the is, word that, herbaceous. Yes. It's great. It's <laughs> so great that work. is my recommendation. Awesome. Well, that is it for this week on the Spanish Arpada. Next mm. week, we are going to be co- covering Chindeswint's son, Resiswint. Oh, this always ends well. Well, I'll, right. I'll give you one little bit. The only uh-huh. thing that Fredegar says about him is that he is amiable and loose living. Oh, he is a dead man. Yeah. All right. So okay. let's... let's I'll let you marinate on that until we record him next week. Oh, oh, I got to wait a week. All right. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, that is it for this week. So see everybody later. See ya.